This is the official Scottish Rugby Podcast with Caroline Blair and Chris Patterson. The new series, Six Nations Full Contact, has dropped on Netflix. So to get a bit of an idea of what exactly it's all about, let's chat now to executive producer James Gay-Reese. Uh, James, great to chat with you. So big day for you, as you've mentioned. Um, if we can just go to the, the very, very outset then, has has the Netflix documentary Full Contact landed the way you hoped it would? Yeah, I think so. Listen, people are clearly talking about it, which is good. You know, it's uh, it's pretty noisy. And um, I've been really impressed, actually, the way that the Six Nations have got behind it and the unions have got behind it and... Uh, you know, listen, it's had it's had more noise than some of our other shows, actually, which is which is really reassuring. So, yeah, it's um, it's in the lap of the gods now. Well, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. But, you know, that's always the way. How long was the process from an idea or, you know, a proposal to actually coming in filming uh, last last year at this point? Well, we tried to do, believe it or not, we tried to do the year before. Um, and then, you know, it was so, you know, it's not easy dealing with six nations, uh, six independent nations, do you know what I mean? And, you know, it's hard enough to get one team away, let alone six countries away. So, um, so yeah, we didn't manage to do it the year before. And then uh, then we did manage to get it away and it ended up being relatively late in the day. So it was a bit of a kickballer could scramble. But, um, yeah, it's definitely at least a year in the planning and then obviously a year in the making. And was it your idea? It was kind of, listen, I'm a massive rugby fan, so I... I sat, I sat down with one of the nations prior to the World Cup for last and nearly got that away with another streamer, but it, it just fell apart in the last minute. So I've been sniffing around rugby for a while as a big rugby fan. And I was a, I was a fantastic amateur player in my youth. So I've always been very keen to do a... Position? Do, can you give away your position? I was a hooker, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, I'm paying the price for that now. But that's all right. <laughs> What, I guess, what, what does the elevator pitch look like then to Netflix, I suppose, in terms of why it's worth them taking this this subject on board? Well, I think it first starts a really unique competition, you know, when you basically, it's Netflix like things which are very um, geographically specific. So they like things that, obviously, they want things that work globally, but then they also like things that work really locally, like Tour de France is a very French show, right? And then uh, we do Full Swing, which is a very American show. But this obviously has a great you know, European aspect to UK, Italy and France. So that's that. And then I think from me, for me, from a creative point of view, which is the fact that there are so many misconceptions around rugby, you know, this kind of like beer-swilling, rugger-bugger thing. And it's just that it's, the game has moved on so much from that image. And a lot of people still don't see it, you know, in the real sense. So I wanted to make a show which helped to show the real, the real set piece about who the players are. They're not all public school boys. They're not all this, they're not all that. You know, it's a very different, very modern game now. And it... It needs to needs to be kind of like you know shown in that light. How did your rugby memories and your rugby experiences compare, and as you say, in an amateur era and an amateur game, to what you saw in behind the scenes in a, an international professional arena? Was it you'd see similarities, but did it seem like the same sport? Oh, listen. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm only joking. I mean, I played to schoolboy level, and then. Uh, <laughs> You know, and a bit of London Welsh, you know, when I was very young. But you'll see that there'll be similar traits within that, even at the top end to what is yeah. at a community it's level. Rugby is an all-in game, do you know what I mean? You know, you just can't, mm. you can't, you know, you've, you've got to commit to it, haven't you, in every possible sense. And I, I did the good, the bad, the rugby podcast last week and Tyndall was saying, you know, the thing about rugby is that if you know that, if you can rely on everybody in your team, you can do something special. If there's somebody who's going to, 
mess you around in your team, you're doomed. But you know, you need that to be on the same page. You need everybody to be like completely all on committed in the same way. And I think you could, listen, even in my playing it, you know, as an 18 year old, you know, I know what he means actually because it's such a collective mm-hmm. effort. Everybody's got to be completely committed to the cause and reliable. So I think that's what's fascinating about it. So from my point of view, I just think that you know international rugby is such an, an extraordinary proposition in terms of the physicality the skill set the mentality the emotion of it the kind of you know it's such a those stadiums are such incredible atmospheres to basically turn up be focused and deliver is not easy and um you know there's the fine margins in it you know especially in the six nations where kind of anybody could be anybody do you know what yeah. i mean so I think it's just trying to get inside the reality of that mindset and that performance aspect. I think it's incredible. I think that yeah. I'm rambling on a bit here, but yeah, the fact is when you see the broadcast of any sport, whether it's NFL or rugby or, you know, or tennis, people just go, oh, that looks quite straightforward. They don't understand what's gone into it to get to that point where you're like, you're absolutely, you're optimizing your performance. And it's like, you know, it's such a, such a big proposition that to be totally on the money for those 80 minutes. We'll unpack much of what you, how, how you go about the process of filming and gathering so much content and then editing and deciding what goes into it. But just on that last point you've made, it is a, a very much a, a team-driven sport. So for you, from an editorial perspective, from an EP's perspective, to be drawing out individual personalities and to be, be able to build a narrative around the personalities that you're putting front and centre from a team sport where it's all in, how difficult a challenge is that? Well, you've got Finn Russell, it's not so difficult, is it? He <laughs> <laughs> was a great starter. Now, I mean, what a way to start start the series. No, I mean, listen, I think that's the point, isn't it? It's just like some people are naturally good at that stuff and want to, are happy to be around the camera. And some people just don't, and I totally get that. Do you know what I mean? But luckily, squads are pretty big, so you only need a couple of people to say, you know what, I'm all right with it, let's do it. And you don't have to, you don't have to feature it, but you can't feature everybody. So, you know, it's it's fine. I think you know you definitely can't force somebody to do it if they don't want to do it and nor should you but you know those sort of characters just naturally come to the fore do you know what i mean it's like negri for example in italy he's just that guy mm-hmm. fiku is just that guy and they're just like they can take it in their stride and they not worried about what they're saying they're relaxed and they don't give you a hard time and you know it makes it a lot easier so you know those characters just present themselves and then um, so the trick is now going to be okay we've done those guys who do we do do next but for this to work as well the buy-in has to be there from all of the nations and the access I'm assuming has to be there for all of the nations in order for you to be able to tell the stories and to to pick and to select and for it to evolve did you find that to be the case where were all of the nations on board from the off (laughs) long pause (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, listen, you're right. We're only as good, you know, none of, I'm listen, you know, I'm certainly not a genius and nobody who works for me is a genius. So, you know, we're, we're only as good as the access that we're afforded because it's an access show. So, you know, you can't do much if there isn't. But I think, you know, every situation is slightly different. You know, I do really sympathise with England about the fact that, you know, they had a new coach just come in and probably the last thing he needs is a Netflix crew following him around. Do you know what I mean? I, would, I totally get that. And to be fair to them, they've been great at this moment in time we're really with them right now and you know they're really being incredibly proactive you know Scotland were great from the get-go I mean most of them were really good I think that you know I think it was just it all happened quite quickly um different coaches have different philosophies about performance 
And at the end of the day, they're in it to win rugby matches. They're not in it to keep Netflix happy. And so you've got to pr- convince them that they can do both. And, you know, some of them took more convincing than others. But what I would say is that, and this applies to all the shows that we do, it's much easier for all concerned if you just commit to it. And then you basically, you know, our teams are inside pretty much all the time. It's when it crews are in and out, that's when it gets disruptive. Do you know what I mean? So it's either do it or don't do it, you know. How hard is is it to plan then? I mean, you've you've no idea really what's going to happen. You don't idea the results. You don't idea. You might have a storyboard in your mind, but is that advisable or is it just wait and see what happens, what develops, and then the I suppose edit process becomes a really big feature of of the final product. Yeah, I mean, you know, we try to not make a show about the actual end results because everybody knows who won, right? So really, what we've got to try and do is make really interesting character stories that are then represented in a rugby payoff. You know, so it's not really like who won the game. It's about did that player do what he said he was going to do for whatever mm-hmm. reason in the match, or did he did he blink or did he drop the ball, so to speak? So it's really about trying to uh, to generate really relatable character arts because at the end of the day, you know, you look at the Porter story, you look at the game story, they they're complicated characters, they're complicated stories, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting. And it's you know, the rugby is not secondary. It's just that they find either they find a brotherhood in rugby. Or they struggle with their role in the, you know, responsibility in the rugby team, like games is like, you know, has that imposter syndrome and stuff. So, you know, it's just about getting that calibration right. But it is, you know, it's a very big, it's a tall order because, you know, you're effectively making six series at the same time, which is mm-hmm. a lot. And it's a very short window, it's only five weeks. Mm-hmm. So you've only got one chance to kind of get it right. Um, ten, you know, Formula One's 10 months. So if we don't get it with Ferrari, then we can come back three months later or three months later or three months later. And uh, so they're all very different, the shows. But no, it's a big ask. It's a bit like the, the, the closest show we make to it is the Tour de France show, which is, again, it's a short of three weeks. And again, if you don't get something and you don't understand the characters sort of going into it, then you're playing catch up all the time. Did any of the, the personal stories that came out surprise you or are the kind of traits that you've seen in other documentaries you've done? No, they were surprising. I mean, I would never have seen that Genge story coming up, down the road. I didn't know anything about Negri, for example. And this is just the tip of the I didn't know Finn Russell was a stonemason really before he said, yeah. do you know what I mean? So I think it's really healthy to show a broader audience that not all rugby players are, you know, part-time stone rangers. Do you know what I mean? They kind of like, you know, want to go to Twickers and all that jazz. I think it's, you know, <laughs> they, they have people with um, very different backgrounds and yeah. um, they find, they all find something slightly different in rugby, which of course is, when you say it like that, it's like, of course they do. But it's just moving away from those stereotypes and those misconceptions about rugby because it's, you know, it's just moved on so much. We spoke to Finn last week and what was really important to him was sort of playing that role of helping grow the game and using this documentary to do that. Is that something that you you also obviously echo that you want to achieve and, and do you think it will work? I do because, um, you know, as I said, I'm a rugby fan and, you know, listen, rugby, like a lot of sports, has got its challenges, as we know. You know, the international game seems to be really robust, but the club game has its issues in certain territories and, you know, all the rest of it. And I think, um, funny, actually, I took my 19-year-old daughter, she's my youngest daughter, to the screening we had a couple of weeks ago. And she literally, one of my daughters is a, is a massive Liverpool fan like me, but the other one literally could not give a job about anything to do with sport in any capacity. And she was really enthralled by that. And she came away, I saw her last night for dinner. She was like, I follow Finn Russell on social media now. He's <laughs> so funny, you know. 
and she's a pretty cynical 19 year old TikTok obsessed girl. So, um, that's kind so, of yeah, yeah, proof's in the pudding. I mean, if, you know, obviously, she's my daughter, but she was like, I could tell she meant it. She was like, because she saw the QA afterwards that I did with Finn, and she was like, he's brilliant, that guy. And I think a lot of people came away from that going, ah, oh, Finn, all oh, right, you know, you know, actually much more likable than maybe I thought, you know. We saw that a lot with Full Swing as well, and and with Drive to Survive, you you really get to know the personalities and see the things, sort of see the the people behind it. But you can I, I can totally see why it appeals to a younger mm. demographic. Uh, interestingly, I have friends in the states who are massive NFL fans, and all of a sudden, you know, they they are quite interested, and I've I've been chatting to them about this. Is there an intention there as well of appealing to a, a more global market too? I mean, yes, ideally. I mean, you know, rugby is definitely growing i think in america isn't the world cup after next going to be in america yeah that's right so you know hopefully we're still making it by then but i think um i do think that you know listen it depends on the state of the domestic game i think but you know if it keeps on going if it goes in the right direction rugby there's no reason why it can't get a foothold over there um you know like soccer is finally making some headway in the states isn't it you know with the mls but that's you know listen i mean you look at the transformative effect of the messy factor over there yeah. i mean it's the numbers have just like trebled or whatever it is so that is the power of personality isn't it so um what we need is reese to become an nfl star and then, <laughs> did you plan this <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll walk away from that two million dollars and we can come back to play for wales you know <laughs> we're being really retrospective but obviously scotland play wales in the opening game mm. of this year's six nations what's your i can see your eyes open where's your uh well, I know you're a big Wales fan, but what's your, what's your take? What's going to happen in the opening game this year? I think Wales have got a tough schedule, haven't they, this year? I mean, I think, um, listen, they're obviously a bit in transition. I'm, it's good to see that Ron's he's named a really young squad, I think, by yeah. the looks of it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, listen, across the board, a lot of big players have moved off, like Bigger, Sexton, Farrell. So there's definitely, by definition, there's a there's a sort of big next-gen next feel to it. But... Listen, Gatland's a brilliant coach, isn't he? And I, I, I always think that there's the talent in Wales. You know, the talent is there. Um, but listen, I'm no expert. I'm just a mad, mad Wales fan. But I would love to see, with all true respect, love to see them beat Scotland. But I suspect <laughs> that's going to be... It's, is it at Murrayfield, the opening game? It's no, no, it's in Cardiff. Mm. It's in Cardiff? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big game for both teams, isn't it? Because, you know, listen, I know the first game is always massively important for any team in the Six Nations because you want to get off to that good start and get the momentum. But for both teams, I can see why that's a big win. You know, both quite had dis disappointing World Cups, so they need to put it back on. It's interesting when we, you know, the, I've watched I've watched the documentary. I'm really impressed by it as well. But watching the, the personalities and how quickly do you find that people bed into the idea of being filmed? You know, you're in these squads. They're notoriously incredibly secretive, especially in sports like Formula One, particularly. But the mm. idea, mostly, in fact, it's almost one that I want to put to you because this is it's almost your worst nightmare really isn't it going into that sacred space of of a strategy meeting of a so how do you get i think it's just familiarity isn't it i think mm. initially it'll be difficult for players or difficult for coaches there'll be a guarding of what's said or you know when they're when they realize they're still on camera and, and, and on the mic but like anything like professional sport is so progressive you can't stand still everything moves ahead and you'll just continually adapt to whatever's whatever's in and around i think i think it's really um well, my biggest kind of hope is that 
to see inside the other camps. So I do have that kind of personal, exactly what I'm saying, you're, you are guarded, you're not sure, but I can't wait to see inside other mm. camps to see if there's anything different, if there's anything new, or, or ultimately if it's exactly the same, who knows. But I think the players, through talking to them, adapted really quickly. Everybody that was involved, the crew that was here, got to know the players really well, there was zero respect. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, for me it is, I feel as if I would have been guarded. Yeah, I'm quite. I'm a really quite a private person, so maybe I'm just old. Is there a bit of selection <laughs> in it for you? I mean, there's there are a few parallels here. You're an Academy Award winning executive producer and you select a crew around you, but there's quite a few parallels here with elite sport as well. You know, playing at the top of your game, making sure you're recruiting the right people involved so that you're getting the best out of the product. And I suppose there are. are do you identify with those parallels? Yeah, it is. And I think whatever whatever line of business you're in, you know, you've got to keep on evolving, haven't you? And, you know, when we made films like Senna back in the day, that was seen to be sort of like some sort of groundbreaking in a way because we didn't have voiceovers and talking heads. And then we made Drive to Survive and that was seen as like, you know, radically transformative. And listen, I think that, you know, we're not resting on our laurels. I know we're making a lot of these shows at the moment, but we know it's going to evolve into a different sort of format. And I think that's going to involve you know, live rights, like for example, we're doing a show about the MLS, right? And Apple mm -hmm. have the live rights and they also have obviously our documentary rights. So at the moment we're doing a fairly sort of like, you know, we're doing the sort of drive survive model, but it'll come down to technology because, you know, things like AI will mean that they can reversion internationally much quicker. So we'll do much quicker turnarounds. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a scenario whereby, you know, you're with LA mm -hmm. Galaxy on the training page on a Friday and you're dropping the episode on Saturday, the morning of the game, and then you go into the live event and then you go home with the team. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think it'll become more fluid like that. I mean, that's a couple of years away, but whatever it ends up being, and that could be wrong about that, but whatever it ends up being, the model will con will continue to change. But I think the reality is that sport is such massive business now and it's such a kind of cutthroat business and the competition for rivals is so intense that, you know, the audience is not going to go anywhere. The audience is going to want more and more. And listen, you know, we've obviously ridden the wave, but, you know, we're not, we don't force teams to, or unions to make these shows. They know that they've got to give the viewers something above and beyond the live broadcast, because that's brilliant. But the modern audiences want to see behind the curtain. They want to know, I want to know what elite mm -hmm. athletes do, because it's genuinely fascinating, because it's like, the more that people understand that it's like an incredible thing to do with your life, and it's not easy. And, you know, you don't, don't just kind of basically... I think I'll be a tennis player today, suddenly land up in the top 10. The amount of sacrifice and the amount of hard work and the mental health issues and the loneliness, you know, in that particular sport. Tennis is like a nice world. It's a brutal world, tennis, you know, and we try to show that at Breakpoint. And I think that audiences crave that perspective on sport because sport is so ubiquitous now. You know, there's so much life sport, which is great, but the alternative insight into it is really, really key. <clears throat> and listen, you know, maybe somebody will come along and do it better than us, you know, but we just want to try to evolve the model and show a different side of it all the time because I think, A, athletes warrant it and B, audiences demand it. Was that the intention of box to box Was it always to target sport and make that a, a primary sort of focus, I guess? And obviously you do other, uh, other aspects too, but is that something that you, from the outset, you'd planned to, to enter the sphere of sport? Not really. I mean, Senna, like I said, it was all Senna was the first thing yeah. that we did in the sports space. And that is kind of a sports movie, I guess, in the way, but it's really a character study. But it just was a chain reaction. So, um, listen, we were very fortunate to be that Drive to Survive landed like that. And then obviously the phone rang a lot. And then, you know, we've managed to do lots of other things. But 
you know, it's um, it's more reflective of the fact that sport, you know, in an uncertain world, sport is something that people keep on returning to, because the great thing about sport is that it's just endless drama. You know, I mean, there's just drama in a tennis match and a rugby match. There's Formula One race. You know, we've looked at, you know, having made Amy and things, we've looked at doing music um, series and we had made a couple of really great series that like we made a show called 1971 for Apple, which is great. But, you know, we were offered the drive to survive of Coachella. And it's like, well, what's the drama? It's the drama like, are you going to get on stage on time or not? I mean, that's, you know what I mean? It's not live, you know, it's not life and death. And sport kind of is, in a sense, you know, I mean, in terms of the, the stakes are very high, you know, in sport. So that's why it's the gift that keeps on giving. Just one final one for me. What did you study? Or how, how did you get into this? Economics. It was economics. No anthropology? <laughs> no, 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 no. I did economics and accountancy. I'll leave after the accountancy part because that sounds really boring. But um, but I'm, I'm a failed accountant. But no, I did economics. and But I did do art A-level. So I've got a, a, a sort of weird <laughs> creative gene in there somewhere. Yeah, because... It's a study of human behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. Anthropology. It just sounds as if the key element to everything you're talking about and and exposing had success with is this interpersonal relationship or the relationship with yourself or others and the perception of yourself. And I was just really interested in how you, you got to where you were. But I would never have chosen economics as the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a very good businessman either. So you know, <laughs> but there's sociology, isn't it? I suppose on some level as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just thought that. But that's absolutely right. I think I find the the, the mental aspect of elite athletes you know and i know that you know some people say oh you know they're boring because all they do is train it's like that's rubbish there's so much more to them than that do you know what i mean so that's uh that's it i think with i think with the episode with, with um Stuart and Blair as well we really see that too the the emotional journey of ending your career and and being at a point where you're picking up the baton effectively with Blair too on a wider level, did anything surprise you um, during the? We talked a bit about the names, etc. But did the during the process, did anything? Did you what did you learn from it effectively? You're going into series two, hopefully all going well. We've seen filming beginning already here in the Scotland camp. What lessons? What are your your take ons from series one? I think it's just you know what it is. I think it's the vulnerability of the players. You know, they're they're such big tough guys, and you know they're you know what they do. Somebody described playing the all backs is like being in the car crash. I mean, it's like you're putting your body on the line, you know, in, you know, in an unbelievable way. And um, I think, so we see, we have this image of them as being this kind of like these, you know, these kind of incredible supermen, but they're not, they're just regular guys with, you know, regular issues, you know, inevitably, do you know what I mean? Somebody's having a bad day with his missus or somebody's worried about his roof leaking or whatever it might be. And I think that that's really important to kind of make them, because at the end of the day, TV only works in any capacity if it's relatable and you've got to relate to the characters, whether it's a sitcom or a period drama, you know, you've got to go, oh, I, I feel the same way as he does about X, Y, Z. And I think that's, especially with cases like Porter or Games, those people, Negri, you know, they're such massively tough guys with this kind of really soft inner stories, you know, that I think is going to surprise people, hopefully. Mm. Apart from maybe... Rugby journalists. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, James, thanks very much for your time. Very best wishes. Uh, I have watched it. It is fantastic. And already hoping there's going to be a second series. So very best wishes. Thanks again. It's such a good point you raised about you would think that he was a social <laughs> anthropologist or something. It's, it's a study of human behaviour, isn't it? Like it? It's, everything he says you can totally relate to and understand 
why shows like this and other shows you've been involved in have been a success because it does it, it gets you aligned to a character you can see similarities probably in yourself and some of the characters that are there especially in a sporting sense will be you know kind of professional players but the amateur players community players all different sports will watch it and think oh I'm like so and so who gets really nervous before the game or I'm like the uh, the person that you know, is non-stop writing notes or the the, I suppose the, the least um, kind of charismatic one or the most charismatic one. You'll you'll, you'll pick up, yeah. You'll, you'll, it's very relatable, and it just sounds so obvious when somebody so experienced in that field says it. I, I just it was really interesting to see what his background was and, and, and how he got into it. It's obviously creative. It no, no, there's obviously a creative <laughs> element to it, and ultimately, in this this example, a rugby fan. I think what was interesting for me is if you look at Formula One drive to survive, there was a direct correlation between the Netflix series dropping, and mm -hmm. I think it was by the second or third series, and actually a, an, an uptake in a younger audience and mm -hmm. an increased fan base, an increased interest effectively mm -hmm. in Formula One from a younger, um, a younger demographic. I just wonder what this will do. Uh, it's like I say, my friends in the States who are NFL fans are wanting to watch this. Yeah. I think you'll have your, it'll be exciting for your traditional rugby fan as well just exactly as James says he wants to know what it's like he wants to know what professional athletes or elite sports people are like um, so I think you'll get a definite want from an existing rugby fan and I think that's great but you're right I think once something becomes trendy or more eyes are, are, are drawn to it there'll be a definite inquisitive nature from people who say actually uh, yeah what A what's rugby and B yeah I've, I've maybe seen a little bit of rugby and then you look you know, under the bonnet and think oh, it's more than rugby. There's you know the, the pressures, the the successes, the the failures, the difficulties. So going back to that point of being able to relate with rugby's a vehicle in this for for personal issues and and performance issues that most people will probably be able to relate to. But yeah, I, I hopefully it'll uh, it'll bring it to a, a, a bigger audience, uh, bring rugby to a bigger audience. And then I think what's important for the game is if it does grow the audience, then they re-engage with the sport. That's where I assume a season, season two would come in. But there should also be links to your local club if you do want to pick up the game and get involved in it or you know help out in a, in a volunteer capacity or, or just find it more be part of a rugby club join a rugby club have a rugby community so yeah hopefully there it, it helps progress the sport and, and more than just the, the i suppose the, the numbers that play i think what really did surprise me though was the level of transparency and access that the six nations as in six individual nations gave like they were on board it was with varied it. i think it was it, well yes don't uh, get me wrong um but as in in the final edit i think what we see is that willingness at, over the course of the series to be on board with it and to see, actually, there is a bigger conversation at stake here. We could be glowing, yeah. growing this game. Um, yeah. Although I've, I've not seen it all. I've not seen all eight. You're in it, you know. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've obviously been around the camp for the last last year when it's filming, and it's true, right? From my point of view, you don't didn't notice the 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 guys really. Um, initially, the first week or so, and I, I'm kind of dropping in and out and work with individuals within the squad, so I'm not there the whole time. I don't sit in a lot of the meetings, um, but you kind of you were aware initially, and then quickly forgot that there was there was anything other than, than, than kind of normal analysis. The, game, the training sessions filmed from about four angles anyway for analysis. You've got drones up, you've got cameras at the side, cameras at the both ends. So I mean, you, the session getting filmed ain't new, um, and the guys just 
filtered, filtered into that. So, so that being filmed is, isn't new. Where I thought there might be, and I say I've not seen all the the, the episodes, but selection meetings was the one area that I thought, wow, if I could go back to see flying the wall, the selection meetings, perhaps at some games I was involved in, that's really deep and personal, you know. Mm. Uh, so I don't know how much of that's in well, there. Th interesting, that that's why I know that you haven't seen it, because the one that you're in, uh, or w one of the one parts that you're in, that comes up. It's the selection between Blair and Stewart for his And 100th. the coaches are, are and filmed you, you in are the selection. Seeing it. I mean, it's clever. There will be parts of it maybe that weren't included. Yeah. Um, but I, I was surprised, and that goes back to the point I was making a minute ago, I was surprised how, how much open. and how open yeah. They were in terms of yeah. what went into the final edit. Yeah, I, I think it's a positive as well, isn't it? Because every squad that I was involved in, everyone says, "Listen, we just want honesty," mm. and what will be discussed within that room will probably align to what's communicated between the coaches and the players. Um, and you know, that's what players demand. That's what players want. That's what you know the the best way to to approach it. So there probably isn't any secrets. Maybe it's my perception that when there were good old-fashioned selection <laughs> meetings going on for hours around the table. They were actually having pizzas. They were just, yeah, maybe they're all agreeing. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought there might be nervousness around that. Um, whether there was or not, I'm not sure, as I say, but it's, uh, it's, it's one area I'm kind of quite interested to see the series and, and see, as you say, what they make of it. Well, it certainly is an interesting series, and I suppose, uh, you know, a final summary for me would be that the bit that I, I, I can see why it would have taken a year or sort of just around a year, under a year, to edit this through, because... Each individual game is 80 minutes. Mm. So there's 80 minutes of footage. How much footage of game footage there's is There's quite there? a lot, actually. It's Compared so to off-field footage. Um, oh, it's, the balance is definitely off-field. Yeah. But there was more on-field than I expected. But it's edited in such a way that it's, it feels like you're watching it for the first time. Mm. I mean, Dewey's Wonder Try is, is so brilliantly done. And Stenio will be delighted. He's got the angle that comes in on it. It's just well done. Um, but I can imagine that process taking a long time. So there you go, uh, and a nice way to tee up the Wales game with mm. him being a Wales fan. <laughs> he wasn't giving much away. I it? know, uh, yeah, massive. It, it's amazing though, his, uh, I suppose, experience of being in around Six Nations squad and all the squads he was involved in, it's exactly the same, it's momentum. The first game, the Six Nations, you know, starts with 80 minutes and you don't look any further than the first 80 minutes. Um, and the, you're hitting the ground running, get off to a good start, you know, if you can win, then it, it sets you up if you lose the pressure on. So here it is then, the Guinness Six Nations kicks off this weekend with Scotland making the trip down to Cardiff to take on Wales. As always, you can keep across the latest news and content via scottishrugby.org or via the social media channels.